Numbers chapter number 13. Numbers chapter number 13. verses 1 to 3 as our opening text, but we'll deal with a number of verses through chapter 13 and 14 as we go on. In Numbers 13 and verse 1, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send now men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran, and those men were heads, and all those men were heads of the children of Israel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to open the scriptures today. And Lord, we thank you for um, the privilege that that is. And we thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit to guide us in the whole truth. And Lord, we certainly desire that he would do exactly that tonight. I pray that you would be with us. We desire your presence and your power. Lord, I pray that you would make me to you with your spirit to speak your word and what you want said and nothing more. I pray that you'd have your will and way in this service or your will and way in each heart or that we might give you the glory that you deserve and you alone. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, Numbers chapter 13 and 14 is the account of the nation of Israel's um, first trip uh, to the edge of the promised land. Um, and we know that as it was their first trip, it doesn't go the way it's supposed to. This was supposed to be the beginning of victories. It was supposed to be the beginning of blessing. It was supposed to be so many good things. But instead, we know this becomes an account of failure, disobedience, a lack of faith, and ultimately the loss of God's presence. Now, ultimately, as we saw in verse 13, or chapter 13, verse 2, that... Uh, God had declared, send thou men um, to search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. And so they were to come, they were to spy out the land, then they were to go in and conquer and take possession of the land that God had promised them. And so we see in this a purpose, and we see the related promises. Uh, now as a New Testament church, New Testament Church, Community Baptist Church, also has a purpose, and it has promises that go with that. In Matthew 28, 18-20, the scriptures declare, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We know the Bible also says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. That is a purpose that the Lord left His church to accomplish, and with it, He gave us promises. He promised us the authority to do so. He promised us his presence. And he promised the power to do so. And so I want us to consider this passage and a few specifics from this passage in light of that and in an application to the New Testament church. Now we know, um, unfortunately, that even though churches have this 
these promises and this purpose, uh, that just like the nation of Israel, sometimes there is failure. There is a failure to do what it is the Lord has given us to do, and many times for many of the same reasons. Now the first overarching failure, we're going to look at two large failures, uh, the first of which, or the first two were, uh, both of which were brought on by a number of smaller failures. The first large failure was the failure to do when God is willing. And so God had given the promise, he had given the purpose, he had brought them there, he had done amazing things to bring them there, right. and now he wanted them to do something. Right. He had given them the tools, he had given them the plan, he had given them the purpose, and then they just failed to move forward and do it. And that is certainly something we can even do today. Now, as I said, there's a number of reasons for that, so we're going to look at some of these. First of all, in chapter 13, and verse number 28, the Bible says, Nevertheless, the people be strong and dwell in the land, and, in the, and the cities are walled and very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. First of all, they made the mistake of giving too much credit to the obstacles. Right. Too much credit to the obstacles. Hey, there, there, there's people in the lands, there's hardship, there's enemies, there's going to be problems, and because of that, we can't do it. Hey, now the fact is, is when it comes to the work of, of the Great Commission and a church's purpose, there will be obstacles. There will be difficulties. You know, it's like I'm sure, uh, um, and I mean, I know for a fact, you know, Community Baptist Church in its history has already faced its fair share of obstacles, of difficulties. When you look at, at missions and you look at the purpose of getting out the gospel, you know, it's like a, a, a one, you know, we all experience, you know, in 2020 with COVID-19, and it's like, you're not allowed to talk to people. It's like, well, that, that, that could be viewed as an obstacle to the, to the gospel. But at the same time, you know, it's like, we saw God do amazing things during that time, as did many others, you know, but we can give too much credit to the obstacles. The next thing that they did, and very much related in verse number 31, but the men that went out with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Here we see that they allowed their own strength to become the determining factor. They allowed their own strength to become the determining factor. Um, now, this is something we can easily do. You know, we can do it as, as individuals. You know, it's like I went through a, uh, a period of this at the beginning of that lockdown in 2020. You know, Lord, why am I here? Why didn't you bring me back to South Africa? I can do less here than I can do anywhere else in the world. You know, it's like I'm literally not allowed to leave my own property. You know, it's like I don't, I don't have a church yet. You haven't, you haven't started a ministry. You know, I can't even... You know, it's like a, 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 a live stream from home for, for the church people. I mean, I'm, I'm doing nothing. I can't go out and meet people. How is this supposed to work? Now, the Lord, through the, the, the events and, and, and through what he did, you know, gave me a healthy reminder. It's not about what you can do. It's never about what you can do. The Lord reminds us it's about what I can do. The nation of Israel here, as can we. You know, when we look at the cause of the Great Commission, it's like, did you read that right, preacher? 
Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Be witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Preacher, look around you. We can't do that. You know, we're a small church with few members, and, 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 and you know, we don't have the, the manpower, we don't have the financial resources. That's not going to happen. We can look at our strength and what we can do. You know, we can look at the fact, it's like, you know, when it comes to, to missions and giving to giving around the world, it's like, do, do, do you understand what inflation has been over the last three, four years? But yes, everyone in the world does. Because it's been the same everywhere. But we can easily look at that and say, we can't do any more. We, we probably can't even do what we've done in the past. And we're looking at what we can do. And we make our strength the determining factor. And that was what the nation of Israel did. Then in verse 13, or chapter 13 and verse 32, and they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. Now here, this, is, this one is amazing to me. Notice what they said there. Verse 32. Um, they brought up an evil report of the land, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And this land that God promised us, this land that it's God's purpose for us to take, will eat us up. It will destroy us. They begin to view their actual purpose as a curse. This will destroy us. Now you might ask, well, how does that apply to us? How does that apply? To a church and a church fulfilling its purpose. I believe there's two primary ways that churches fall into this trap. The first one could be in looking at those in our midst and saying, if we send someone out, who will take their place? You know, if we send out some of our best, and they become missionaries, and they go start churches elsewhere, and they go serve the Lord somewhere else, who will we have to take their place? That could destroy us if we give up of our best. We wouldn't be able to carry on doing what we're doing. We wouldn't be able to, to, to minister here like we need to. We wouldn't have the means. And if we actually do what God gave us to do, that could destroy us. The other way I believe this impacts churches is when we look at a world around us and we see a world that's not like us. And I mean, one of the things we're, we're seeing in our world, and you know, when I talk to older preachers, my dad's generation, and even more so the generation before him, those who, who ministered and, and pastored in the 50s, you know, it's like in those days, if you went out and you won someone to the Lord, you know, they could pretty quickly adapt the church life in appearance in character in work ethic 
in, 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 in all of these things, you know, but more and more our world, you know, the, the character, the, the work ethic and things are disappearing, the appearance, you know, we, we see more and more people who are um, irrevocably changing and altering their appearance. You know, there's a lot of people we could go out and, and we could win them to the Lord and they could be saved and, and they could become sold out for Christ and they would never look just like us again. I mean, they've made physical decisions. And we can look at some of those things. Now, another thing, you know, it's like we're facing in America. You know, it's like a, one that's been a, a hot topic for a few years. You know, our open borders. Those people aren't like us going to come here and they're going to ruin our country. And we look at people and we say, what would they do to our church? You know, if we had people like that, that would change who we are. That would change how things are done. You know, how would that affect us here? How would that affect our children? And we can actually look at the purpose he's given us of going and teaching all nations, preaching the gospel to every creature, being witnesses to the uttermost part of the earth as a curse that could destroy us. When it's the very job God gave us to do. The nation of Israel began to do exactly that. Then in verse number 33, and they saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. And here we see a problem that, that very much is kind of the encompassing problem in, in so many of these others. They allowed their physical sight to take priority. You know, as a church, when we consider the work that God's given us to do, when it ceases to be looking by faith to the Lord, looking by faith to the Scriptures to find out what we're supposed to do and how we do it, but rather looking with our physical eyes to what's practical, what would work, what would be best for us, we will come to the wrong conclusion. The nation of Israel now determined, rather than listening to what God had said, rather than remembering and focusing on what God has already done and what He has promised to do moving forward, we're going to look with our physical eyes, that's going to take priority, and we're going to determine it can't be done. We're to look with the eyes of faith. You know, we've all heard the scriptures where they say, for the just shall live by faith. Now, it's like, you know, maybe you're one, you know, it's like I, when I was younger, you know, wondered about it. Well, what exactly does that mean? You know, it's like, is that a salvation reference? Is that a, 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 a living reference? Is that a, 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 a giving a, a reference? You know, what, what, what does he mean? The just shall live by faith. Um, and the answer is yes. It is a just shall live by faith reference. It's like if you're one of the justified, if you come to, to know Christ as your Savior, if your sins have been forgiven, if you stand just before God, all of that was by faith. Amen. And everything from henceforth is to be by faith. Amen. That is the only way we can live as we are to live. That is the only way we have true life. That is the only way we live the way God has ordained for us to live is by faith. The just shall live by faith. It is the answer in every equation. We live by faith. We do not look with our physical sight. 
we focus on the Lord. Then in chapter 14 in verse 1, And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Now, this is one that, you know, we as modern-day Christians excel at. It went from 10 who were discouraged and decided this couldn't work in the span of a few hours to the entire congregation. We have the ability, and sometimes we seem to have the gift of discouraging each other. You know, just spreading it throughout that this can't be done, that this won't work, that, you know, it's like it's just not possible. There's no way we can continue on. Don't you see uh, 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 that this isn't going to end well? You know, it was one that, uh, um, you know, I'll confess, as a, as a Christian in South Africa, one of the most discouraging aspects of COVID-19 was watching American Christians react to it. I mean, this was all about the entire world being out to get American Christians. It's like, I mean, I had, I had people on my, my Facebook feed and stuff, you know, saying stuff like that. I'm like, that's strange. Like, I'm in South Africa and I'm locked in my bedroom. But this is all about you. We can discourage ourselves and we can discourage each other. You know, it is one of those, you know, as Christians, you know, um, I can see how it happens. You know, as Christians, we should have a better understanding of how bad things are in this world. We should. You know, as Ephesians 6 and verse 12 says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We know that Satan once took the Lord Jesus Christ up into a high mountain and said, All these kingdoms will I give unto thee, as they have been given unto me. Satan is the God of this world. It is that bad. That's like I told somebody once, I don't, I don't get into conspiracies. You, know, you put me on YouTube, you've got to watch this conspiracy. No, I don't. Um, it's worse than any video you can find. Satan is the God of this world. Yes. You know, and that didn't change in 2020. It didn't change in 2016. It won't change in 2024 unless the Lord Jesus comes back. Right. That's how bad it is. But we as Christians also know the end of the story. We know that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords does return. He has a name written. And it is a true name, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that he is king of kings and lord of lords. He is in control. Now, at no point do we need to worry about it. Yes, we can understand how bad it is, but we know who wins in the end. The final chapter has been written. God wins, sin and Satan is destroyed. We don't need to be discouraged. Then we see in chapter 14 and verse 2, And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. Now some would quickly jump on this and say, See, the problem was is they rebelled against leadership. They murmured against leadership. Um, not exactly what they did. Part of what they did. But you notice with me in chapter 13, verse 2, Said now men, 
that they may search out the land of Canaan. It goes on at the end. Um, of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, everyone a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. They were following leadership. Yes, they were murmuring against leadership, but they were also following leadership. They were following rulers of the people. So what is the issue? They began to grumble and to complain and to utter complaints against the leaders that were continuing to speak the word of God and rather followed ones that were sharing their own opinions. And that's where we're always going to get ourselves into trouble. When we begin to reject those that are sharing the truth of God's word and begin to embrace those that will stand and utter their own opinions. We need to follow God's word and those who give us God's word. Then we see in verse 2 of chapter 14 again, the children began to murmur. Then it goes on and says, And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would God that we had died in the wilderness? Here they began to despise and to belittle God's previous work. They began to despise and belittle. When we fail to go forward, it oftentimes is based in our dismissal of what God has done in the past. Can you imagine this? The nation of Israel now standing here and saying, it would have been better if God had not brought the ten plagues and with a mighty hand showed himself powerful and delivered us out of the nation of Egypt. We'd have been so much better off if God hadn't parted the waters of the Red Sea and led us across on dry ground. You know, we'd have been so much better off if we'd have died of thirst and died of hunger in the wilderness rather than seeing God provide miraculously. When we fail to, to continue on and to move forward in what God has given us to do, it is because we have entered into that same kind of attitude. What difference does it make what God has done before? I would have been just as well off if he hadn't. Even to our own salvation. If it's not necessary, if I have no desire, if I have no compunction to go and share the gospel with someone else, then I am really saying I would be just as well off without it myself. It's not that big of a deal. Then in verse number three, and wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto the land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? Here, they not only have been doubting God's power and ability to take the land, but here they begin to doubt his goodness. Wherefore has God brought us here to fall by the sword and for our wives and our children to be a prey? What if, okay, God brought us out of Egypt, okay, we know that was some miracles. He brought us through the Red Sea, that was a miracle. He brought us through the wilderness, that was a miracle. But what if, and as it now appears, that he did all of that, just so we'd be killed by the Canaanites and all of the spoil we brought out of Egypt and our own families, our own wives, and our own children, he's going to give to the Canaanites. 
Yeah, sure, God's been powerful, but what if he's not really good? What if all of this was for someone else's good and not ours? What if he isn't really trustworthy? What if we can't really trust him to be, to be faithful and to be good? And this is something we can fall into so quickly. It usually begins with the question of, Lord, why? Why did you let that happen? Why did you let this happen to me? What did I do to deserve this? Lord, and, and what we're saying there is, Lord, I know you could have done it differently. And if you would have been good, you would have. I'm not sure I can trust you. They began to question God's goodness. Then in verse 4, And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. Here we see that they decided to come up with a better plan. Now we see churches around the world doing this, coming up with a better plan. Teaching all nations, preaching the gospel to every creature, witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, the utmost part of the earth. That's too hard. Let's give ourselves a different focus. You know, we'll focus on, on social needs. We'll focus on economic needs. We'll focus on physical needs. You know, we'll do clothing drives and send clothing to, to the poor of India. We'll uh, raise money and drill wells for, for people in sub-Saharan Africa. You know, it's like, well, we'll offer some form of a, a self-help counseling for, 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 for traumatized people in our, in our neighborhoods. Uh, all of those things are fine things to do. You know, we see the Lord Jesus Christ himself consistently showing compassion on his fellow man. And, and, and using that to open the door to minister to their soul's needs. We should absolutely look for opportunities to do things like that, but we can never, ever make it our purpose. That's right. Our purpose is to take the gospel around the world. Amen. Our purpose is, as Matthew 28 says, to make disciples, Amen. to see them baptized. That has to be our purpose. We cannot choose captains and go a different direction. God has given us a purpose. Now, they had failed to do what God was willing. Now, verses 11 to 39 of chapter 14 tell us that there's a consequence for that failure. In verse number 11, note with me, first of all, the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me, and how long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I have showed among them? Now, note with me and, and consider this for a moment. Our lack of faith is never justified. That's right. God can always say to us, How long ere ye believe me for all the wondrous things I've done? Our lack of faith is never justified. Now, the Lord has brought me face to face with that a number of times in my life. You know, where I can start throwing myself a pity party and think I'm justified. And God reminds me, or God shows himself true again, and reminds me it's never justified. God is faithful. God is good. 
Then notice with me in verse 12. And this is a sobering thought. I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make of thee a greater nation and a mightier than they. In God's purpose and in God's plan, understand and know that you, with me, are replaceable. God is speaking of an entire nation here. We know and understand it was probably between 1.6 and 3 million people. And God says, I'll replace it. Every last one, if I need to. I'll start over with you, Moses. Now, his promise was still going to be kept. He had promised Abraham that his seed would inherit the land. And so he was going to keep Moses. He had to keep one. But he said, I'll replace everyone else. Our, our place in, 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 in God's purpose and plan is always replaceable. God's purpose, God's plans will be fulfilled. You know, there is, there is nothing more futile than trying to fight against God. Right? His purposes will be fulfilled. His plan will be done. We have the choice of whether or not we will submit, follow after Him, and enjoy all of the joy and blessings that go along with it, or whether we will be replaced. Because He will accomplish His will. They were replaceable. verse 22 and verse 23 because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice surely they will not see the land which I swear unto their fathers neither shall any of them that provoked me see it God's purpose was not undone the nation of Israel conquered and received and took the promised land just as God had promised them but an entire generation missed out on the enjoyment and the blessings. We are replacing. Then we see the next major mistake that this the, the people of Israel made and that our churches can make today. After they had, uh, God had withdrawn himself, I'll not go with you, I'll not give you the land, I'm going to give it to your children. They endeavored to go. We'll take the land. In verses 40 to verse 45, we see their failure in trying to do without God. And when we decide that as a church, uh, we've got the people, we've got the programs, we've got the know-how, you know, we've got things in place, we can just go and do this. Without stopping to make sure that we have the presence and the power of God. When we see churches that do this, the faith is in the program. You know, we've got the manuals, we've got the how-tos. We know this works for this church, and we wear this work for this church. And so if we just, you know, fill in the blanks, cross our, our T's and dot our I's, this happens. That's not how it works. What happened to the nation of Israel? God had said... I'll not give you the land. You know, the scriptures tell us in John 15, verses 4 and 5, 
Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. The nation of Israel prepares to go up and they are told in verse 41, it shall not prosper. They are told in verse 42, ye shall be smitten before your enemies. They were told in verse 43, ye shall fall by the sword. Now, what does this mean practically? To have the presence of God. Now, we would know enough that that's not talking about, you know, it's like the ancient times with the tabernacle, you know, where the cloud comes on this building, and, and you know, it's like you can see it, the Shekinah glory comes to inhabit a particular address. That's, that's not how it works. And the determining factor of whether or not Community Baptist Church has the presence and power of God comes down to its membership. The church is people. People must enjoy the presence of God. As each one of us has a, a walk daily in the presence of God, as we abide in Him and He abides in us, that is how a church has the presence of God. Right? It's about a personal relationship, day by day, spending. You know, somebody asks, well, how do you how do you abide in Christ? How do you walk in the Spirit? I tell people, you know, it's like uh, on the most basic level, when you want to be somewhere, it's about location. You know, I, I was born in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Um, I lived there for about 18 years between high school and when I went back to South Africa. Um, if you want to abide in the warm sunshine, do not move to Grand Forks, North Dakota. If you want to abide in 35 degrees below zero with negative 50 to 70 wind chills, then move to Grand Forks, North Dakota. And you will have the opportunity to abide in those things. You can put yourself in that presence. You know, if you want to abide in 120 degrees, you move to Arizona, you move to West Texas, and you abide there. If I want to abide in the Spirit, I have to be where He is. Well, where is the Spirit? Well, He was the Spirit of truth to guide us into all truth. So the Spirit of truth wants to be where? In the truth. If I want to walk in the Spirit, I need to be in God's Word. It was also the Holy Spirit that was promised in Acts 1 and verse 8. But you shall receive spirit power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. So if I want to abide, I want to walk in the Spirit, I need to be witnesses. That's where He's going to be. That's where He wants to be. That's what He's going to be doing. That's why He came. You know, I want to be, I want to abide in Christ. Well, Christ, as we referenced in the presentation in Mark 1 and verse 38, I must go into the other cities and preach the gospel. For therefore am I sent. That was Jesus' purpose. 
If we want to abide in Christ, if we want to walk in the Spirit, we have to be doing the things that Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit have declared they are doing. And they came to do. And that they desire to do. And where they want to take us. We need God's presence. In conclusion, we see that they made two mistakes. And so I leave us with these two questions. One, are you operating in faith? They failed to do when God was willing. Are we operating in faith? Are you operating in faith? Believing that God has given us a work and with it, promises. Secondly, they tried to do without the presence of God. Do you understand tonight that the work requires and you are thus committed to a relationship with and the presence of God. For it be said of us, ye shall fall by the sword because ye are turned away from the Lord. Therefore, the Lord will not be with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time that you've given to us and we thank you for the scriptures. Lord, I pray that you have your will and work in hearts. Lord, we know that you've left each of your churches, Lord, with a job to do. Lord, and I, I thank you, Lord, for this church and Lord, his testimony. Lord, I'm, 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 I'm proof of that. I can be a witness of that. A church that has engaged in the work of taking the gospel even around the world while, while continuing to try and reach their own community. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen that resolve. Lord, in each member to know the presence of God and to follow after you in the work that you have given us to do. I pray these things in Christ's name.